Welcome to episode 16 of the Swedish Winger. 16 being one of my favorite numbers, considering it was my number back when I was playing football. And one of my all-time favorite players also had it, Pat Lafontaine, who I first saw play, I think it was in, in a Canada Cup in the late 80s. So I think I, I kind of found, I kind of noticed him at the same time that I noticed Eisenman. But I think he was playing for the Islanders back then. Later on when I picked my team to support in the NHL. Really had a lot to do with Börje Salming starting to play for Detroit. Little did I know it was only going to be that one season. But also when um, Pat Lafontaine started playing for the Sabres. And Sabres being um, blue and yellow like the Swedish national team. With that awesome badge they have. That crest is absolutely great with the buff buffalo and the crossed sabers. So it was close that I became a buffalo fan as a kid, but I settled on uh, on Red Wings primarily because of Buddy Salming and Steve Eisenman, and later on Niklas Lidstrom and the rest of the guys who came over. There were plenty of Swedes uh, back in the day, and by the looks of it, we're entering a new Swedish era. If you want to talk about like the first Swede in this new era, you have to look at you. You'd really want to say Lucas Raymond, but Gustav Lindström was there before him. But I think when all is settled, I don't think Gustav Lindström might be the. Might, he might not belong for the Red Wings organization. He feels a bit like the the Anders Eriksson of this era. So I'd say Lucas Raymond is the guy who starts the new era for the Swedes in the Detroit Red Wings. And then we have the towering behemoth, Lord Elmer Söderblom, the man, the myth, the concept. To the surprise of many, myself included, he earned a spot. I wasn't that surprised that he actually earned it. I was a bit surprised that he actually got it. And there's a difference. Once he got it, I didn't think he'd stick, but he did stick. And once he was on the team, he scored his first goal, the game-winning goal, with his family in the stands, well, his mom and dad at least. I don't know if his sister was there, but his brother is playing in the Chicago organization. I don't think he was there. I did pick him to score the first goal uh, of the game and also of the season then for the Detroit Red Wings. And his first career goal in the NHL, but it won't be the last. Looking at how he's played... In his two games so far it's pretty impressive you watch him play and you realize that what he was doing in the shl has translated quite well into the north american game i'm not sure if he plays the whole season uh, or if he gets the nine games or whatever the cutoff may be but you can see what i saw when i saw him play at a younger age and in the shl and i was asked on, on twitter who is the next guy and i don't think there can ever be a next guy well you should never say never but still the whole concept of following a guy from the u17 national team just looking at him deking one guy and figuring like this is a guy who has some skill and he has this unique size and you just write his name down and then pick him up when the next season starts when he's playing with the Freya Lunda J20s I think it was and he was decent 
and the season after he was tearing it up and was absolutely amazing. And then Detroit drafts him, and that's pretty much all she wrote. And the guy scores a goal in his first game for the team. I don't think that can be replicated. I don't think I can replicate it, at least. It's up to each and every one of you to find um, a 17-year-old prospect to, to put your hope in, I guess. I don't know what to call it either. I mean, it's been, for me, kind of a crazy thing because it's, it's kind of childish. It's kind of strange, but it's also extremely fun. And the, the satisfaction of seeing the guy, well, the kid, actually, is less than half my age. I'm 45. Score these goals. Get this far. I even had to DM a family member of his to congratulate them. I apologized for disturbing, but still, I mean... But they were civil. I mean, they were nice about it. So that has to be kind of weird as well. Getting a, a DM for from a 45-year-old teacher in the ass end of Sweden saying congratulations... But still, it's kind of a fun thing. It's such a weird thing. And a lot of you, I guess most of you that listen to me and my meanderings on this pod has pretty much been with me on this journey from talking about Elmer pre-draft to get him in drafted, then talking about him, asking about ideas and reaction reactions regarding Elmer on, on the Wing Wheel podcast and, and Wing for Breakfast with Boltman and Prashant. And now we're here. I wouldn't even say as that I've made a name for myself in connotations with Elmer, but there's at least a few of you who know who I am based on what I've been talking about Elmer. There's a few who have sent me DMs about or questions about um, Swedish prospects and such. And again, I'm by no means an expert. I just want to watch a lot of hockey, follow a lot of prospects, and I do this all the podcasting, the Twitter stuff, everything just for chits and giggles. It's just for fun. One might think I, I spend an unhealthy amount of time on Twitter, and I probably do, but it's all for fun. I do most of my Twitter commenting and, and pod recording late at night after my kid has gone my kids have gone to bed. I have two two girls. I, I think I've mentioned that before. Well in regards to Elmer the prophecy itself, the idea that this sixth rounder would play for Detroit in the NHL, has come to a conclusion, and it was found to be true, which is kind of awesome. And looking at how he's played in these first couple of games of his, I think he's been impressive. I think he's been one of the most noticeable players in Detroit. Which is not surprising, considering he kind of sticks out a bit. But I like that line with him and and Rasmussen and Oskar Sundqvist. Because um, even though I don't think Oskar Sundqvist is much of a hockey player anymore, I think that um, he's a useful player and he's a good role model for for Elmer and Rasmussen. Because he never quits. He never quits on a play. He chases both puck and opponents down eagerly. And he's really a puck hound. He's really chasing it. And he's he's a guy who plays in a way that I hope both Rasmussen and Elmer Söderblom copies. Because if they can copy his energy, they will be unstoppable. Because already we can see how defenders struggle trying to strip him of the puck. And they also struggle with keeping the puck out of his reach. 
there's been a couple of times now he has stripped defenders exiting their own zone by just reaching the puck when they think he couldn't because he's f so far away because he's so tall and his stick is so long he just surprises them with his reach which is awesome it's so good to see that he's really i mean i've i've been speaking about this before about his skating and and i think his his wonky skating and many times said to be poor skating is is overblown i've been i've been saying all along that he might not be the quickest uh, on his feet his feet might not move as fast but once he has speed he's not slow i would even say he's quite fast but um he has to keep moving to be effective and i think what we've seen so far is that he is doing that and he's he is a threat to defenders on uh, an nhl level and he causes problems and asks them questions so i'm liking what i'm seeing i'm back to elmer um i have to thank everybody for their their shout outs and, and mentions on twitter <laughs> congratulating me although i have pretty much done nothing but uh, again thank you i think we have a hell of a community on twitter for the, the red wings fans and uh, it's very seldom any assholery like that pisses you off that you have to respond to usually it's a very friendly atmosphere and i i think um we should all be proud of that i did get some questions aside from the one with the um, who's next uh, on twitter and scott stevens at cinema ace asked well he asked first if i noticed that i was uh, mentioned on the lockdown podcast last week i did and it's fun i mean sure it boosts one's ego, I guess, to get a shout-out here and there. I did get a shout-out on Lockdown uh, Red Wings. I've gotten a few on, on the Winged Wheel and uh, the Grindline podcast, which is basically the, the podcast I usually listen to when I commute that are Red Wings-based. And then I listen, listen to a couple of the um, the NHL ones. So, But... Um, no, I appreciate it. I think it's fun. And it, it's kind of... It makes me smile. So, His second question is, do you think Pontus has a future in the NHL? And that is Pontus Andreasson. Yes, I do. But I think we have to move some players out to make room for him. It all depends on where we want to play him. The good thing with Pontus Andreasson is that he can play, he can play on, on the wing as well as center. But I do think that they picture him as a winger that's my feeling at least but for him to get room someone has to go so if you look at him as as a bottom six player there has to be room made in the bottom six and i'm not sure that they're going to make any trades anytime soon so i don't think pontus will play anytime soon but once um, players are moved out to contenders and such yeah sure he might get his um his chance Joe uh, at Joe R-O-F-L-24 asked, Söderblom had 18 shifts, but only about 13 minutes. Do you think that that's just Lalonde restricting him or the fact that he's always grinding his ass off on the ice? I don't think he's being restricted at all. And when I did math, which I absolutely suck at, that came out, 
to about 43 seconds per shift which is what I would think is pretty much optimal so I think he got kind of perfect usage being early in his career so no I think it was okay Thomas S at Thomas from DE a German listener asked me about a realistic goal and point total for Elmer this season and and that naturally depends on how many games he gets but let's say he sticks and plays all 82 games oh 35 40 points 50 50 between goals and assists maybe i think that would be awesome i think that would be a super result and i think that's probably a bit high but it would be really cool if he could achieve that i think that would be awesome well that's naturally if he gets to play all the the 82 games and I think that we'll see a fair bit of reassignments and assignments from from the team where they might like drop Elmer down for a couple of weeks to let Jonathan Badiger get a couple of games in. He's injured now as far as I can tell, but I hope he's back in business as soon as possible. I did get asked by Jonny on Twitter as well as... Uh, well, he asked me the who's next question, and I think I'm going to make myself a separate episode. Um, we'll see when I get the time, and I'll I'll name it who's next. But as I said, I, I doubt I'll ever do another Elmer prediction. But there's a couple of guys that, as Red Wings fans, we really should keep an eye out for. There's a few I've been mentioning a couple of times before. Dalibor Dvorsky is one. He plays for AIK, which is the team I support in Sweden. And then you have Theodor Lindstein, who plays for my local team, Brynäs EF, in the SHL. He's a defenseman that I find to be quite interesting. Otto Stenberg, and naturally one of the absolute best prospects coming out of Sweden in quite a while. If you listen to the the pundits and the experts, and that's Leo Karlsson in Örebro, who has drawn comparisons to Mats Sundin. And um, I'm just going to expect that you all know Mats Sundin and how good he was, but he's one of the absolute best Swedes ever. And before I end the episode, I'd like to comment on how the Red Wings are playing under Lalonde. What I've seen so far, it looks like a high-pressure, full-court press, if you wish. It's a high-tempo game where they are hounding the the opposition. They play, like I, like I said, during the training camp and, and exhibition games, that it seems like they play hockey like Jurgen Klopp wants Liverpool to play football or soccer for you heathens. And and uh, as far as I can tell right now and how much I enjoy watching it, it looks way different from, from the Blash Hill game when it's working, that is. And there's going to be some, some teething issues and, and it's going to stutter at times. But this version and this idea and this philosophy of of hockey is one I, I'm ready to subscribe to. I like the style. We're looking way more like the Tampa Bay Lightning 
than the 93-94-95 New Jersey Devils that we have been looking like under Babcock and Blashill. And for that I'm thankful because that was not beautiful hockey. The only thing so far that I'm not that impressed with is our third defensive pairing with uh, Robert Hegg and Gustav Lindström. I think they are struggling. They are easy to pin down. I like Hegg's physical play and there's few defenders you see who crank it like he does when he's firing a slap shot. He kind of twists his whole body in a full spiral before he he releases and he has a decent shot so that's going to be interesting to follow. But I wouldn't be too surprised if we see Simon Edmison at least within the month in, in the Red Wings jersey playing NHL games. I saw that he had picked number 77, or he got given 77 in the Grand Rapid Griffins. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can wear that in the NHL. Because the spirit of Paul Coffey lies heavy over the style of Simone Edvinson. So we'll see. I think Simone Edvinson is a better uh, defender in his own zone than Paul Coffey was, but... Uh, Paul Coffey was a unique defender in that era in the the offensive play. So we'll see. Well, that's it for me for this episode. Again, I thank all of you who reached out, uh, tweeted at me or DM'd me after Elmer's, well, both the goal and the fact that he was in, that he made the team. So cheers all of you and until next time. See you.